0: Hello there, this is Jared Siliker, and welcome to the Building Better podcast. On today's show, you get not one, but three podcast hosts. That's right, we're crossing the streams, and it's going to be great. Kira Gould and Lindsay Baker host a sort of cousin podcast to this one. It's called Design the Future, and it chronicles women leaders who are doing great sustainability work within the built environment. They've produced more than 20 episodes in 2020 and their guest list is a rock star roster. I've listened to nearly all their conversations and love the inspiring stories they've featured. So I thought it'd be fun to compare notes and hear what Kira and Lindsay have been learning. We chat about career paths, leadership styles, and mentors. We grapple with the seasons, reminisce about in-person gatherings, and discuss how we're forging through the pandemic. So join us for episode six of Building Better and tune in to Design the Future podcast soon. Hello, Lindsay and Kira. Welcome to Building Better.
1: Hi, Jared. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Happy to be here.
0: Hello. Hello. Uh, So we're once again uh, spreading our wings beyond Seattle. Uh, How are things in the Bay Area uh, for both of you?
1: Oh, good. doing okay. Yeah, I, I it's I, this time of year is always hard for me because I wish that we had like the autumnal experience of the rest of the country. Um, <laughs> I, every once in a while, I see a leaf that's like changed slightly in color, and I'm like, "Ooh, that's good."
2: <laughs> I agree. But, you know. I agree. I'm the same way. I lived in Boston for seven years, and I miss this is the time of year that I miss the Northeast most desperately um, for sure, but yes. no, it's good. We're coming out, I think, knock on, I'm not supposed to say it out loud, but I believe we are emerging from fire season, I hope, oh, <laughs> God.
0: Please, for now, please. for
2: a minute. Um. So yes, we're, we're, I think we'll be, it sort of seems like the waiting for that and waiting for the election are all sort of, there's this, maybe we'll have an exhale in November, maybe.
0: Yes,
2: <laughs> maybe. That okay. would be
0: great. Yes, yeah, so, well, uh, I also lived in Boston for five years, um although I think the um you know the seasons in Seattle pretty pretty solid, and we are definitely in that like ah, this feels like fall, and it is I am kind of chilly right now sitting here. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, enjoying the fall up here and the uh, smoke free air as well. Um, so, I am really excited about this episode for many reasons. Uh, I think maybe to start, you know, Kira, one of my longest uh, and best colleagues in the sustainability world, um, including, you know, a brief Boston uh, connection. Uh, We also collaborated uh, in, I guess, in the early 2000s on uh, AIA Committee on the Environment. Um, And then fast forward a bunch of years, we actually saw each other in person in early March, uh, at, at what feels like the last conference in the world, uh, before pandemic shutdowns. Uh, we attended, uh, architecture 2030s carbon positive event in Los Angeles and, um, And as listeners might guess, those were, I think, you know, really our first lessons in elbow bumps. That's right. (laughs) Sure. And uh, although I think Kira and I snuck in a hug uh, because, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Anyways, thrilled to have you on. Um, And then secondly, to both of you, uh, you know, really enjoying your podcast, uh, which is called Women in Sustainability, Design the Future. Um, which I feel like, you know, runs parallel to uh, building better in many ways. Certainly similar timing here in 2020, uh, allied topics for sure. Um, But of course, different um, as well. You know, your focus on women is obvious. Um, Although I am trying hard to find uh, women guests who you haven't had on. Um, (laughs) Although maybe sometime we'll do some some crossover um, uh, or we should, we should. Uh, so uh, I guess I, I kind of summarized, maybe summarized as you know, building better is maybe looking a little more at current approaches and happenings. And, and you two have been taking a, a bit of a broader look. Um, I think some great like history lessons and certainly some personal storylines that go across time and, um, and, and just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of neat disciplines. Um, so then uh, also excited to have Lindsay on the show and um, maybe you can kick us off. Uh, well, both of you uh, in terms of, you know, anything else you want to add on, you know, what you're up to lately um, in your work.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. If the pandemic actually hit at a, Funny time for me. Um, I had decided to to take off um, most of the year. My partner is an academic on sabbatical, and I was very fortunate that, like, um, that essentially that my my ending my gig at WeWork coincided with this reflection time for him and then also coincided with this weird reflection time for the entire world uh, about what what kind of future we want to live in. And um, so so I've been um, reading a lot and doing a lot of thinking and talking with people in the industry about how we're doing. Um, And by that, I mean the building's uh, world needing to transform itself in a way that can be sustaining and sheltering for all of the people of the world in the next, you know, in the decades to come. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of things. Um, I, I'm, I haven't yet fully announced the form of the thing that I'm planning to do next, um, but uh, suffice it to say, it's around policy and buildings and the ways in which we can and should be pushing harder on um, how uh, buildings, uh, upgrade and, and continue to aspire to higher targets on the climate front. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting time. It's, I'm, I'm trying to have patience with the fact that everything moves pretty slowly in the pandemic when it comes to like, like there's no, I I was getting jealous the other day of a friend who was starting a new organization and who managed to get together with five collaborators in a house for a week to like brainstorm Whoa, wow. and do the, you know. And I remember doing that with a couple of friends, and you know, um, for things that they started where you find some way to get together in a room with smart people and just brainstorm for a day. And it's this extremely valuable experience. Um, and obviously I can't get a group of smart people in a literal room and no one wants to spend that much time on a Zoom these days. So yeah, certain right. things are, are, are slower than uh, they would have been pre-pandemic. Um but uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I've just been enjoying having the time to focus on what is going to transform our industry as it relates to climate and what the um, new rallying cries need to be what that looks like. So that's that's what I do. And I teach a class at Berkeley and I'm, you know, uh, doing a couple of other consulting things and it's just trying to stay She's busy. on some
2: boards and she does conferences and <laughs> symposia and all sorts of things.
1: Yeah. I right. tried blogging. I'm pretty bad at it, but
2: yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff.
0: Kira, any any anecdotes of late?
2: Mine is not. I have nothing new ex- and exciting to report per se um, beyond the podcast, which I have been thoroughly enjoying this year. Um, and Lindsay will tell you the origin story of that in a minute. But um, I run a consultancy, as you know. Um, it, I, most of my clients are architects, but I have some others that are uh, manufacturers and uh, and um, other types of clients. And all of them are active in the sustainability space. And I enjoy the work, um, and it's a lot of fun. And I do. I also have a lot of a lot of volunteer things on the side. Um, the biggest one right now is AIA uh, Committee on the Environment work, which I, yes, I did that several years ago, and for some reason I'm doing it again. Um, I just can't, I can't leave, um, but there's so much exciting stuff happening at AIA around sustainability, climate action, and climate justice, so that's been really rewarding this year, and really, uh, and um, it's great to see all the activity there, so it's good. It's keeping me busy.
0: Hey, we're, talk, we're talking to the glue of AIA Committee on the Environment <laughs> over, over the years, that's keeping it together. Kind. <laughs> uh, so, uh, women in sustainability design the future. What, um, yeah, where did where did this start? What what made you two want to do this? Um, you know, was this pre COVID, post COVID?
1: Yeah, it was pre COVID um, that we started talking about it, and it's so strange to think about now because, of course, it feels very defined by the pandemic at this point. Um, but it, it's, so, um, it started with me. I, I was, um, thinking about what I was going to do in my off time and I wanted to stay engaged. And, um, I had this idea of of a podcast probably inspired from, um, a couple of podcasts that I listen to that are more broad and about climate and these kinds of things. Um, and then randomly I got a reach out from a woman, um, who works for acuity brands. And she said, um, we have this group of women that meets and talks about sustainability. A lot of people around the buildings community, because that's sort of what acuity is. And she's like, we decided we want to do a podcast and we're wondering if you would host it. And it was just weird, (laughs) um, just a coincidence that i was thinking about podcasts but i didn't i'd never done one before i had no experience with it and i wasn't looking forward to the aspects of it that um we all now know and love which are like the the, the logistics and the producing and <laughs> the editing and all of that stuff so i was like okay this is super cool this is um acuity specifically the the group of people that are here in oakland where i live um uh, work here and i both live um so I knew them and I knew the events they were talking about where they'd been getting this group of women together and and they had decided that what they needed was a, was a podcast to talk about women's leadership. So, um, so I, I decided that I, I mean, some degree, I thought it was the feminine thing to do to have a co-host to, to not have it (laughs) be just like me all day talking about my ideas. Um, And I thought about who I would want to be a co-host and Kira was, obvious and at the top of my list in every way, um, partially because of Kira's book, Women in Green, um, but also because I just felt like, um, I don't know, that we were going to bring slightly different things to the table, but so, so much of the same spirit of what it means to have this conversation with women leaders and um, emerging leaders and all of these things. So it, I asked her and she, um, was like, I have to do this, but I don't, I shouldn't do this because of my time.
2: <laughs> we had
1: a wonderful, um, last, last moments before the, the lockdown started coffee, um, <clears throat> uh, and, uh, and chatted about it uh, yeah, I guess that was February or something like
2: that, January. That's right. Yeah, But on College Avenue that has that place has gone out of business due to COVID. Ah. Um, <laughs> it's no longer there. Um but we did meet and I it's funny because I think about that. That was one of my last, <laughs> you know, in per, just like the conference. It was one of those last things. Like I know where I ate lunch. A business I had a business lunch on College too right right before the the lockdown. Um, but yeah, it was a great conversation and I knew I, I knew I had to do it. And I'm so honored, Lindsay, that you asked. And of course, of course, the answer had to be yes. And so exciting. Um, from my perspective too, I had been, I have been talking about doing another book. Um, Lance Hosea, who was the co-author of Women in Green. And I have talked about the possibility of that for a long time and people constantly ask me about it and it would be super fun. Um. But it just hadn't quite gotten off the ground and this was a perfect way of getting having the conversations again but not necessarily embarking on that same form and in bringing it into this other form which i am have been i'm completely new to but have been so enjoying exploring just the whole conversation format i mean it which is in many ways actually quite parallel to parts of the book the book was set up as conversations as you might remember, um, it's quite an old book now, by the way, (laughs) 2007. But we intentionally set it up as conversations so that it wouldn't really be us talking, and it would be these other voices. And that, of course, is the whole, you know, sort of purpose of a podcast. And so it's a very natural, organic thing. And it's been such a treat to be able to dip back into some of the themes and all that stuff. And, and of course to some of the people too, there are a few people we've had on that were in the book originally um, and many of course that weren't. So still very grateful um, to Lindsay for bringing me in and what a pleasure it has been.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. I have my uh, copy, Women uh, in Green, right <laughs> here for inspiration. Uh, and, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking uh, you know some similar themes for me in i guess it was technically january um is revitalizing the idea of a podcast and really seeing a gap in the the you know media landscape of sustainability audio which is of course you know a a weird niche but um but sort of thinking oh there's a there's a few things that i listen to but Uh, Nothing really focused on buildings, sustainability, and, and, you know, wanting to kind of pull out some of those stories and people's personalities behind the scenes that, you know, oh, engineering might be pretty boring and dry to some people, but there are, you know, cool people behind the scenes, you know, doing amazing work. So can we tell those stories? And as you're saying, kind of conversations are so compelling, If you can sort of bring it together in the right way
2: right well and we're it's you know so much more valuable i think in a way to have those when we're not seeing those people or having those opportunities to meet them and chat with them at conferences i listened to your your episode with um, vince martinez who is a person i would see at all of those events you know and I, i quite enjoyed hearing his voice in that way and because I miss it, right? I haven't seen them since March. And
0: <laughs> so, yep.
2: anyway, yeah, I mean, I think it's it fills an, uh, a gap that, you know, maybe didn't exist as much before COVID, or at least not for me. I mean, I, I've listened to podcasts, but I'm not a huge podcast listener. So I'm certainly doing a lot more of it now than I was. Yes,
0: yes and um i think especially your um your opening remarks have been great to listen to and i think add a, a level of like approachability and um it, i mean it's of course it's especially um in covid times where you know you're sort of discussing your your uh, current uh you know s- state of mind as we you know we're all you know, i think it mirrors kind of what we're all doing uh, or at least it was for me, you know, um, the roller coaster of emotions that we're all dealing with. And, um, anyways, just a great, I think, personal, um, uh, personalized approach, uh, to, to these, uh, to the listening experience. Um, I don't know is, is it has the, has the podcast helped you get through, um, These times. uh,
2: Sure. Absolutely. More more so.
0: And I don't know, our listeners saying anything else in this regard.
2: I think we're hearing a lot about that. It's definitely been sustaining for me personally. I mean, I I love checking in with Lindsay each week. (laughs) It's funny that you've mentioned that though, because sometimes I feel like, I mean, there is the problem of it's the same. It's the same as it was last week. I have the same view out my window. You know, everything is the same. I mean, so I do feel like there's a little bit of, but I think we're all going through that too. So that's why people don't mind hearing people complain about it, or at least um, commiserate together about it um, and about some of those things. And I think, um, I think we have, I think there's, there's something about the intimacy of that conversation each week um, and with this other person who some you know and sometimes we know the people well um and others not as well at all but it is regardless of that the background relationship it's a very intimate context and there's really no way it's just inherently that's just part of that medium so um that has been i find pretty comforting particularly during you know there's been a racial reckoning social upheaval around that and These are very unsettling political times. There's all these things going on, not to mention, of course, um, the pandemic itself and how that relates to the climate crisis, which is the thing that, you know, that maybe the glue that we all have that brings us together. So talking around those things together in that intimate way each week, I think it's been, you know, really a gift, really, for me. Yeah,
1: Yeah. no, I agree. It has been. I think it's partially that it forces this regular check-in in which you sort of ask yourself how you're doing that week and, and, and ask and, and find out from someone else, like, what, how are they processing what's happening? Um, that we don't, I don't, I don't think we do it that well. I mean, especially like when, you know, if you, if you live with other people, um, you're so constantly in touch that, you know, I, I for a while, my partner and I had like a happy hour that we would go to virtually sometimes and we would come out of it and be like, Oh, I didn't know that's how you were feeling. Like, because like, someone would ask like, how are you doing? And, the, and, and, you know, one of us would answer. And, and when we spend so much time with each other, we don't really do that um, with each other as often. Mm-hmm. Um, so to some degree, I think it's that, um, but, but I think it's also been, at least for me, I feel very fortunate that because I am essentially unemployed, I spend a lot of time thinking about what's going on in the pandemic and what's going on with our, you know, various uh, social uh, movements changing and building momentum and what that means and what, you know, or even like what is what's happening with real estate, all of that. Like I I I have more time to read smart people's articles about it. I have more time to think about it than most people who like, you know, are working and taking care of small children and all of that stuff. So I just appreciate that it's a real time opportunity to process that kind of thing and share what I'm hearing and learning. Uh, Because I get that a lot of people don't really have time that, that the time that I do to like make sense of this and feel grounded and feel like, um, you can sleep at night and not to say that I sleep well at night, but like (laughs) I have more space to process than most people. And I am happy that I have a way to share that. Um, it's been, it's been really, um, lovely. And yeah, like every once in a while, I was, um, I was on a call yesterday with a bunch of people I didn't know. And someone sent me like a private note and said, I feel like I know you because I listen to your podcast every every week,
0: you know, <laughs> like when
1: I'm gardening or whatever, or when I'm walking my dog. Um, and I do think that that's, that's super cool to hear. Um, Cause even if it's a small community of people that are listening and paying attention to the podcast, to me, that just means that it's a, it's a, it's a community that we're supporting that we, that, and anyone can join in and feel like, okay, this is my, Professional group of people that I care about, and I want to know what they're thinking, and it, it it builds community that way, which is super satisfying to know that that happens in this in this particular moment in time. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, my uh my pandemic uh, listening practice is I now have a bike trainer in the basement, and have been doing a lot of cycling, both indoors and outdoors. But the indoor rides is uh largely podcast time so
1: i like that, it that's, yeah
0: that's my uh you know turn on turn on Kira and Lindsay in the basement on the bike um so you mentioned uh that you know you know a lot of your uh guests pretty well and I certainly uh both know that and and you know pick up on it uh, based on your your conversations um and you mentioned also that there's some crossover with your book, Kira, but um, given all that, like any surprises, you know, you've had, you've got like over 20 episodes, which is really awesome. Um, And yeah. So any, anything like jumping out at you, even though you know these, a bunch of these people well.
2: I don't think I, I wouldn't necessarily call it surprises for me. It's more, I mean, I've been just consistently, inspired by the sort of the power of the commitment that all these people have and how they're manifesting that sort of really both personally and professionally and like what that looks like at their the various points in their careers. Because um, we've we've talked to folks that are, you know, sort of mid career, late career, and 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 also um, some young folks too. But it's just the commitment, and really, they, you know, how that is sort of founded on kind of an informed optimism about the ability that we really could turn this around, um, which you know isn't something that you necessarily hear in all sectors. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I feel like, and this might be my own bias, but I do think that like there's a sense, and and maybe you could trace it to. To drawdown to the book and to the project and work that they've done, because there is a sense that like we could pull this off. I mean, it would, it would take significant political will, which seems wildly missing in all kinds of quarters. But there is a sense that we could that it could you know that warming could be reversed. Even that notion, just even that language of, that came out of drawdown, I think, was a bit of a shift for a lot of people. Because otherwise, it just feels like you're kind of tinkering while we wait for the big collapse right and I just so inspiring that that is another thing about this weekly infusion of of that Um, you know each time we get off the call I'm just like it's like my midweek boost I am renewed in my you know like I, and of course I uniformly think I need to look at what I'm doing and make sure I'm doing the right things and need to shift things around. And like, a, you know, hi, but hi. It, I have and new ideas about that and all those things, but that's good too. That's, it's great. It really makes me proud of this community and um, proud of how the community um, and the industry interact with one another. And um, it's, so that's not a surprise exactly, but it's, it's a continual, source of inspiration I guess
1: yeah I I feel like I I agree completely I think there I have had some moments that have been surprising and in particular some of my favorite moments are the ones where I'm surprised by um, how much more feisty all of our all of our guests are when they feel like they're not presenting at a conference (laughs) like that that's my favorite and i think we're starting to get into that um tone a little bit more frequently and i really like it um that that the podcast has been a space for people to not feel the constraints of what it means to present to your colleagues at a conference right um, mm-hmm. Because I understand the value of showing up and saying this is a project that we implemented and it saved this much money and this was the benefit of all of the, you know, um, of the integrated design approach that we took. And if you're wondering about ground source heat pumps, then this is something that we learned. <laughs> like that's that's all important work and and it needs to happen. Um, but I, I I really have enjoyed the moments where people kind of like l- let their hair down a bit and talk about what they don't like about the momentum or what they, what, what they actually, you know, what they really think we need to be doing that we haven't been doing. Um, because I've found places of um, like these pockets of energy that we have, that we need to put to use of impatience and of vision and of, um, you know like a real core emotional drive to do the work um yeah that uh that i like i want us to all be tapping into more and i think 2020 has been a year where we're we're finding those like little pockets of energy in, in ourselves or they're building or whatever they're growing um so so those have been the most surprising moments for me is moments where i where i thought i understood who somebody was and that they were maybe like, you know, a consummate professional uh, (laughs) in the realm of buildings and they were motivated by doing their job very well. And then it turns out that they're like motivated in a much deeper way and they are disturbed by a lot of things that they're seeing in the world and, um, and it keeps them up at night and they don't like it or whatever, you know, like all those things. I, yeah. I've been mm-hmm. particularly really impressed so far with the degree to which, um, the people that we've had on the show that are white have, have been talking about race in a different way. Um, and the, like, that's been, that's been surprising and encouraging to me, the degree to which that's come up with our white guests. And, um, and, and it's, yeah, it's just, um, it's not to say that it's a shocker that right now people would, you know, like people if you're on social media, you're thinking about and caring about black lives more than you did last year. But like, I, I do still think it's, um it's great that people are willing to talk about that on a podcast <laughs> and, 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 and admit that and kind of think about what that means
2: for our profession. So, so yeah, th- those are my
1: surprises. I think that's true.
2: And, you know, it's interesting. Most the one thing that I would say, all of our guests have in common is that they are all doers. So when you, when they come on the show and there's an opportunity to talk about, like to be self-critical of the movement or of the industry, which is what Lindsay, you were just kind of referring to, which I love. They're also talking about what they're doing towards to address that. Right. So even in, in the last, um, few episodes this has come up that the issue of sort of democratizing sustainability has come up and it's not just a complaint about how we don't do that enough it's also a and here's what I'm doing about it right and in uh, multiple cases those are things that are outside of their day job of course because that's how this works Mm-mm. but they're doing things about it and that's what's to me so and really exciting and and it's also to Lindsay's point it's not necessarily the stuff that we hear from them at the conferences right (laughs) where we don't know so i mean these folks do present and they present the work and the work is valuable and important and totally legit and they're also doing these other things at the the edges and that's what i really love and that's where the passion is bubbling up um and but then it's not just a complaint you know sort of a venting about the 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 lapse the the, in the or the gaps um it's it's also and this is how we advance that um so, I find that really rewarding and
0: inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I think you know it gets back to that kind of the conversation element of a podcast, um, you know, and the anecdotes and these like side stories that, yeah, well, you know, off stage, we talked about those heat pumps and and we we heard the, you know, you told me about that like crazy story about how it all went down and that like those are the kind of things that I'm seeing as well where it's like to to get those little nuggets is you know those are so powerful and it shows kind of the you know our colleagues kind of uh, thinking and personality and 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 hope and in some cases kind of shed some light on you know what how it all happens out there in the world, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we could go on and on, you know, there are so many, so many of those examples. Um, we, we kind of brushed on inspiration in there. And I know you, you like to ask your guests about their inspirations as do I, um, so maybe two part question for you too. um, any, and you know, I, I, I've tried to track through you've, definitely gotten a lot of folks mentioning, uh, Greta. Um, there's some great, like mentor stories throughout. Um, so I guess any like takeaways part one, uh, from, from those responses. And then second, any, uh, how about your, your inspirations since you're, you know, you're always asking the question. So now you get to be the guest and, and, you know, I guess this could be Certainly, people, um, but also books, projects, you know, pithy concepts.
1: Yeah, uh, it has been really fun. I think one of the things I'm learning about where people get their inspiration is like it's it's almost like breaking down this concept of what inspiration is is about or how we know that we're experiencing it um it seems like for a lot of people it's sort of where do you get your positive energy from um Mm -hmm. and and for others it's something more like what makes you think that we might not be screwed Uh, (laughs) you know i mean i guess they're kind of similar but it doesn't always it doesn't always um uh, shake out that way you know like some people say that they get their positive energy from um, you know, their family, for example, like you sure. know, kids or, or, or partners or things like that. Um, and, and that, that, that they call it inspiration. And I think it is in, in many ways. Um, and for others, it's like, um, you know, it's, 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 it's sometimes more something very, t- um, tac- tactical, like something you know, it's, these people are doing things that I think are the right things and these things can scale. Yeah. And so I'm going to, talk about these people. Um I, you know, I guess for me, uh where I land on that is um is probably more the latter. Like what where do I see things that I'm excited about that I think can scale and what do I and and who do I try to model myself after. I actually this is sort of relevant for this audience, but I've I've always had this way of um sort of litmus testing ideas that I was working on or things that I wanted to do, um, by thinking about what certain people in my life would think about them and, and, um, whether I knew them or just admired them or those kinds of things. Um, so I think a lot more about that, um, now than I ever did, like, who are those people whose judgment I really trust and who I, I want to be able to say that, you know, like they would approve of this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, the first person I had in my life that I really felt that way about was Malcolm Lewis. And, uh, and it was, he was a mentor for me as he was for many uh, of us in, in this field. Um, and, um, and I, and I, and I just admired the way that he built his, his, his own professional, um, way of existing in the world. He ran a consultancy. Many of us knew it and loved it. And um, and so he was a boss, you know, and and he ran a company and he had to sort of make things work and 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 make a contribution. They had projects and all those things. But he was also very active in the in the world of of green building and gave a lot of his volunteer time to influence lead at an early stage. Um, And so seeing him participate in a consensus process and um, see the patience that he approached uh, all of these gnarly technical issues with was, was very inspiring. And he is remembered now, his legacy is very remembered for, for the, the, the energy that he brought um, to the conversation, the seriousness, you know, that he, that he brought to difficult issues. Um, And by being someone that was giving their time to, to help others, you know, to, to like mentor others, a number of people, like, I don't, you know, (laughs) there's no way to claim Malcolm is like, (laughs) like, I I don't even really think of him now as a mentor because I just know that he had so many people that I'm like, I, you know, me and him with, we, I don't, I I would have been in a long list of people. Um, but, but I do, I think about that. Um, I think about him and in, in the ways that I want to, um, have that integrity to the work that I do. Um, and, and these days I think, uh, I've added people to that list. Um, that I've been really inspired by in the broader climate movement, um, people that uh, a lot of women that I've met in particular, uh, women of color that have led climate action um, here and uh, that I've had the privilege to, to meet and get to know. Um, and they're, they're sort of too numerous at this point uh, to, really, uh, to really go over, but a, a couple um, that I really admire uh, Tamara Tolza Lachlan with 350.org who, um, I just, yeah, I mean, she's just one of those people. I think about what would she think about this thing that I want to do? Um, because I Mm -hmm. think, um, her perspective has led her to believe in certain, you know, modes of action in the world more than others. And I agree with that perspective and want to value that perspective. Um, so, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. She's one. <laughs> I feel bad just calling out one, but it's just an example. I think about, about that. And and it's been really useful to me. I guess it's one reason I mention it now is that um, I, I think it's a great way to stay centered on the work you want to do is to think about those people that you want to um, have an impact to, to have an impression on, to, to know that they think that you're going down the right road and, um, I think, I think it's helped me go along the right road
2: <laughs> so it's far. I think it's the right about it. Yeah. I love that, Lindsay. It's nice. Um, it's interesting. Cause I don't, it would be hard for me to name. I mean, I could do specific mentors to uh, really it's teachers and bosses that were really influential for me um, in grad school. My professor, Jean Gardner, architecture professor was just a really, she, well, she introduced me to sustainability. I mean, it has to be said that she (laughs) sort of set me on that path, Um, Mm -hmm. but in a really holistic way that was all about questioning um, the purposes of what we're doing with architecture at all in a really macro way. And that sort of continued on in my time at Metropolis under Susan Sanazi. Susan was all about asking those questions. um, And I learned a lot from her approach to that. Um, and I will forever be grateful for that. Um, so those are like the early sort of corresponding people. But in terms of recently, this is a bit of an overlap, because I, of course, should have anticipated where you would go with that, Lindsay, but I have been very <laughs> inspired recently by um, the book All We Can Save, by uh, edited by um, Ayana Elizabeth Johnson and Catherine Wilkinson. And it's the authors, a number of female authors in there on all different topics, many of whom are the people that uh, Lindsay was just referencing, That some of those folks that really leaders in climate, some of it is built environment related, but it's much broader. Um, and it's really an amazing book and an amazing number of perspectives, but all the commonality besides the feminine principles or feminine sensibilities that they represent in my view, Um, is really this sort of belief in this the kind of intersectional approach to all of what is needed ahead of us, which is, you know, and there's a definite undercurrent of we need innovation and we need everyone and we need acceleration, right? There's certainly the urgency is there, no question about that. But there's this real belief in um, this is for all of us. This is this, I mean, and it's just... It's incredibly inspiring. I loved, I really enjoyed the book and I highly recommend it. I'm also, and I'm also reading um, Kate Raworth's Donut Economics. I'm not finished with it yet, but it's parallel to that because I think it really relates to the same thing. I mean, we do need a cultural shift, a cultural change of heart on and a, and a systemic shift that's going to have to be economic mm-hmm. too and policy and, and all these much bigger things um, in order to get to the place where we can actually... Move fast enough and far enough. So sorry, that was a little extreme, but I'm still really, <laughs> yeah, I'm still in the glow of the book. I really I really did enjoy it, and that's a good thing. I didn't try to do another book because that book is the more macro, you know, the broader version. You know, Women in Green was really built environment focused, um, design focused, um, and this is much broader because it's climate um, generally. But it's it's really quite. Um, and the way they organized it is just beautiful too. So I really do
0: recommend it. Nice. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to reading that. I have been listening to, um, Dr. Johnson's podcast, um, which I was just, um, how to save a planet. Yeah. I think I got that right. Um, on Gimlet. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what the kind of crossovers are, um, with the book um and i i forget who mentioned which of you mentioned this but uh their their like guiding question is are we are we screwed or how bad are we ske- yeah, screwed Yeah
2: yeah
0: <laughs> something like that so yep. um it's been interesting to track that those answers to in terms of like people's um you know level of hope and confidence and and it, it kind of touches on their, their mindset and 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 their inspirations, like how how much of a chance do they think we have? Yeah. Um so it's pretty um pretty neat. Um and so okay, so we've talked a bunch about we've talked a little bit about mentors, which I think kind of gets us to um career paths as well. And sort of another question I, I like to ask everybody is, you know certainly does not have to be the, uh, you know, the long version here of, of the career path, but, you know, short, you know, anecdotes from your career paths, you know, how, whether it's like how you get into things or just like other forming moments of like how you got to where you are now, you know? Um, so yeah, any, anything jump out to either of you on on that front?
1: yeah I mean, for uh, I always struggle to talk about my career path because I know I'm uh, not uh, a great model in some ways. I, I was I have followed a really linear path. Um, and like, first of all, I think that that the intelligence is there these days that it's actually better if you don't follow a linear path. and like mm-hmm. you know, that like people know that now that's sort of common right. business wisdom. And, um, you know, 20 ish years ago when I set out, uh, at least the way I was raised, that wasn't really the common wisdom. I was told like, you know, figure out what you're going to be and then start doing it. And like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you sort of work your way in and, and, and I'm, and I don't think that it's been wrong um, for me to have the path that I had, Um, but I also know that it's not always very relatable, um, for me to say that, like, I decided I was going to do green buildings when I was 17 and I've been doing it ever since and it's been great, (laughs)
0: you know, um,
1: (laughs) but, but I will say, um, you know, I have done a lot of different things. I've worn a lot of different hats. Um, and so it's not always clear to people what the common thread was, um, anyone that's known me for the whole duration sees it pretty clearly but if you know like for some people that just knew me as like a tech entrepreneur it doesn't make any sense (laughs) you know like what what i'm thinking about doing now or um even what i did um after i left my uh, tech company um so so there's i think I, i think that's um that's been kind of uh, i'm a weird one for that reason i've had I've had some good key moments and I think um to some degree they do go back to this fact that I have a common thread some of our podcast guests have talked about this but I'm definitely someone who has always been driven by a mission more so than the role that I wanted to play um and so um for example, when I decided to go and join this you know nascent startup um, I had no interest in being an entrepreneur, I had no interest in, I had no knowledge of Silicon Valley or venture capital or startups, very little understanding of how software was built and very, and I didn't care, you know, like I didn't, I'm not really even that much of a technology person, Um, but I did it because I could see the potential for a technology um, to show up in the buildings world and mediate this difficult relationship between human comfort and uh, HVAC systems and do so in a way that would make people more comfortable and potentially and save energy at the same time you know so like I, and, and I was I just wanted to see that exist and I and I and I knew a bunch of people and I thought I could get meetings with them and then, so I was like all right well let's get a bunch of meetings with a bunch of people and see if we can make this thing happen <laughs> um and uh I I didn't have Um, I I, I always have imposter syndrome. And I think, um, you know, that that's a thing that very much exists. And I have it as many people do. Um, But I've always been driven by, by the desire to have these impacts that sometimes you can only have if you take on a role that you've never done before. Um, So in that case, yeah, it was a key moment where I basically said, I mean, in, in retrospect, it was crazier than I thought it was because the fund, we, um, I joined a company that had no uh, investment or revenue and um, didn't even really exist as a company yet. Like it was incorporated, but, you know, we didn't have um, like, a, 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 you know, um, health insurance or any, right? Like all those <laughs> things. And I'm a generally a pretty risk averse person. Um, but, I knew it was the right move because I um, believed that this thing should exist. I knew I had enough unique sort of technical knowledge to n- know why this thing should exist. Um and I wanted to put my skill set to use. So like it 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 was um it, it may have looked crazy from the outside, but I think the more you kind of understand the details about a moment in your career path where you you have a decision to make about whether you're going after something or not. Um, at least for me, um, it, it made total sense at the time. It, it was, uh, random and spontaneous and definitely, uh, most people don't get an opportunity to do that kind of thing, you know, but, um, it, it was, um, w- when I found myself in it, I think, you know, it made sense and it, it worked.
2: I think it's such a great example for other people too, because it shows how you can, you're, that you just you, when you say it it sounds like such a natural thing i put my skill set to use right well not everyone necessarily sees the skill set you know you're trained in architecture i mean like that that would be a logical place to take that and i think we're seeing more examples of that now and it's in part because of models like yourself i mean it, it's so funny to me that you describe your path as so linear because in fact yeah. it's so diverse and really in a in a very powerful way, because it really shows how and it also it's like you continue to learn from the diversity of your path. Right. And so you're as you go along, you're bringing all these new experiences. So you're you're coming to this policy moment right now with this, you know, an understanding of entrepreneurship in the tech sector, which that's you know, most architects aren't bringing that to the table. I just think it's great. I really do. I think it's a powerful model for other people. So mm-hmm. you may see it as linear. I see it as incredibly diverse and rich. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think the, the, I mean, all of this, you know, it's like your you know, different perspectives, different, you know, how re- relevant or to you versus someone else, you know, cause I could describe my path as, you know, like linear or like non-traditional sort of like I've been in the same, you know, industry, so to speak. But as we know, sustainability has like all these different arms and legs and appendages. And, um, you know, but if, but to some, it's sort of non-traditional because I, you know, run my own um, company. Um, But uh, anyways, yeah, I, I agree uh, with Kira, you know, it's interesting to, have you have you look at Lindsay at yourself as linear but as you describe it it's sort of like oh that's like this crazy you know morphed um thing that you know doesn't look linear but
2: right right um and my path has been a bit of a hybrid too in some ways I mean I started in um, media and worked in magazines, um, and then I shifted over and worked inside architecture firms in a communications capacity. And of course, along the way, got involved with um, the Amer- the American Institute of Architects, which is a big association. Um and I'm not an architect. so spending a lot of time in association when you aren't actually I mean, I'm a member but in a sort of like adjunct way, right <laughs> as a that's, non-architect that's, can be. that's why
0: that's why Kira and I hang out as like non-architect, <laughs> non-engineer, but we, yes, we get to like work and hang out with those people and
2: it's a str- it, well it is and it's a strange position to occupy yeah. for a long time. AI didn't really understand what to do with me, um, <laughs> you know, cause they don't, but, but they've, they've matured around that too. And I think they welcomed other voices and, um, and I appreciate that for sure. Um, but it's, you know, that's, that's a, that's a hybrid thing too. And I, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not sure I would recommend my path <laughs> to someone, <laughs> but I do think it's, it's useful to, to, be on different sides and, and, and have experience with different sort of pieces of it. I mean, Lindsay, you too worked in an, a big association, you know, an, well it was a it was a smaller association then, but <laughs> you know, you had association world exposure, which is a separate thing, right? Like all the stakeholders and what that means and understanding how that functions within an industry and a movement and all that is this very that's an interesting kind of exposure to things too. Um so I don't know. I don't think my I hope my arc is not complete.
0: <laughs> right. Not there's sure.
2: I'm not sure where it will go next. I I've been thinking about trying to find ways to be more strategic and I think like many people with the urgency of the challenge in front of us, I've been trying to figure out how to optimize, how to figure out how to see where I can have more impact and and be really more careful with my choices and my time you know i just time is the most precious resource and i really feel like um i mean maybe it's because i'm in my 50s now but i you know we know it's not unlimited for people or for for the world so uh i really feel that pressure right now to try to figure out you know let's make sure we're doing all we can both in the industry and personally and um there's a lot of ways that might manifest for me in the future. We'll see. I don't know. Um, I'm really, I, I, if you read the book, you know that I had an experience with biomimicry early on in my career, and that's been calling me a lot lately. So we'll see that might have to, I might need to bring that in, in a more formal way in the future. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Uh, So uh, back to the podcast, um your podcast um you know i'm thinking about your book kira you know which is you know over 10 years ago that published that you know how about like the combination of you know that time those 10 years plus this uh podcast experience with you know again over 20 women leaders um telling these stories and having these conversations um what are you, are you learning anything new about um, women leadership in, in our industry or, or other things and themes from, from these, these yes. conversations? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I think so. I think, um, I think we're hearing, a lot of what we're hearing is sort of shows that some of the impact that feminine leadership or, or the feminine principles in, in, of leadership um, that they have impacted the industry and that they are having that kind of impact. Um, You know, some of the people that we're talking to have been working in these organizations um, for many years and I've built teams and have been bringing those principles to the work for all these years. Right. And those print, some of those principles. And when I say feminine principles, I am referring to things, patterns of behavior that um, are not only necessarily Um, rendered by women, okay? Those are things that there are some, these are sort of, I mean, we tried to list them and characterize some of them in the book and they have, there are a number of them. They have to do with being inclusive and relying on collaborative models, even when those are more complex. And, um, they have to do with taking a long view and um, you know, sometimes even like triple bottom line type thinking. and being able, systems thinking has often been attributed to as one of those. And obviously, those are things that things that many men, Jared included, and, um, and Malcolm Lewis certainly exhibited many of the, you know like so many of the male leaders in the field um, excel in those areas. So I want to refer to it as, you know principles, but I mean, when we say feminine, um, those are not limited to women. But I think those characteristics are—you know—the benefits of those are sh- uh, are evident in many of the teams and the projects and the work. Um, and so I feel like that's that you, we see that in the people that we're talking to. Um, and then on on the other side, even as we see the value of that gender diversity, it it, it also highlights um, some of the lack of other kinds of diversity that this movement has really suffered from. And that I think maybe now (laughs) we are (laughs) going to be more, become a bit more aggressive about addressing, but you know, the lack of ethnic and racial diversity is, um, it's no joke. It really, (laughs) it is evident. Mm -hmm. You can uh, see it in the book, I mean, you can see it in the community, um, on the stages at Greenbelt, wherever you want. I mean, it has gotten better. It has absolutely gotten better, but it is a an issue that this industry struggles with. And I I think that um, understanding the value of of uh, gender diversity positions us to help with that more and faster. And so I that I am that is where I am hopeful that it doesn't just, again, I mean, there's no use in just sort of lamenting that condition. (laughs) I'm eager to move on to the, and now what? And how do we advance this? And we have had some guests on who have talked about that, some areas of that topic in really eloquent ways. Liz Obu, in particular, of course, early on, agreed to speak to us. And we had a great conversation with her about spatial justice and all kinds of things. Um, And so I am cautiously optimistic that this moment is actually can be a real um evolution period for for the certainly for the movement and maybe for the industry (laughs) i guess i shouldn't i try not to lump those two together since in our podcast Mm -hmm. we do make a distinction there um, and it's sort of a point we like to talk about Um, so that's that was a meandering answer to your (laughs) question, I think. Sorry, Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I love it.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like I could say um, quickly that I actually think one of our earliest guests, Sarah Golden, did a really fantastic job um, at talking about uh, feminine leadership in this piece she wrote for Green Biz. It's called Why Feminine Leadership is Essential for the Clean Energy Transition. And it came out on March 13th. And, uh, so it was like right around the time we were recording with her and, um, and, um, and, and I was kind of like, yep. Okay. That's, she said it, she did the thing. This is, this is a better description of, of why it is, um, that we focus on women in the podcast. Um, and like, I don't even need to, it's like, I, I don't even need to say it anymore. Um, or I don't even need to think about it. I think she, she captures it pretty well. She talks about these three themes of flexibility, um, innovation coming from diverse perspectives, and collaboration. And um, and I, you know, and she also does a good job of, of talking about um, how how uh, people can exhibit these traits that are not women. Um, so yeah, that that kind of did it for me. I mean, it, to some degree, I think um, I, I, I think we don't what I'm interested in I guess is that like I read the book lean in and I didn't really uh, relate to Cheryl sandberg as a model of a woman leader and what i and and in the in the months that followed lean in it felt like a lot of women who did kind of feel like they related to Sheryl sandberg um adopted this mentality that there is this type of, of feminine leadership that that is uh, great and needs to be celebrated and needs to be built up and needs to be sort of, um, defined and otherwise kind of, um, uh, boosted. And, um, it wasn't my model of leadership. It wasn't who I was and it bothered me and still bothers me that we sometimes, um, can only make space for a certain type of woman leader. Um, so for, for me, it was about, um, Problematizing that and saying that, um, and showing the fact that there are lots of different ways and a lot of different styles of feminine leadership. Um, indeed, one could argue there is no style of feminine leadership. It should not, there, there's no future that I like in which. Um, somehow, because we're women, we lead in similar ways. I think, in fact, we should lead in any way we want to. Um, Mm -hmm. And that binary between masculine and feminine leadership, ideally, will, uh, will not even be one that's relevant. But what interests me now is just to make sure that Um, women in our industry can see that you can be a leader and and be an introvert and you can be a leader and be um, emotional and you can be a leader and not be aggressive and you can be (laughs) a leader, like, all of these things and that that's okay, you know. Um, You can be a leader and never wear heels and never wear makeup and you can be a leader, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Just, like, the list goes on.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I love how even just that description there kind of links it together of like, you know, we need diversity of all types, you know, uh, be it within the, you know, women leadership realm, but also, or within our industry, within society. Um, And, and, and I really like Kira, how you put the um, idea together of, you know, this gives us a great example the the track you followed around women leadership, I think, and I agree, shows a great example of how that can happen for other types of diversity. Um, And of course it's so multifaceted, you know, yes, we need to, we need to train a more diverse crowd of architects and engineers. And um, we need to recruit, you know, a, a more diverse crowd to all of our parts of real estate and and the support mechanisms. Um, but we also need to, you know, have good policy to draw, you know, and, and just leaders in general to lead us towards, you know, better projects and, you know, addressing the communities that don't get served, you know, on a regular basis. Um, you know, those projects can be run by um, anybody, But they, you know, but they're probably going to be best if they're um, run by a diverse um, group of um, designers and owners and um, and all the rest. Help
2: us with the policy, right? Yeah, (laughs) working on (laughs) it. Counting on (laughs) you.
0: Well, that certainly feels like a great and inspiring place to uh, to end here today. Um, It's been. Awesome having you both on the podcast. Um, kind of a, a different episode here. We're sharing um, maybe, you know, cousin podcast uh, stories. Um, and again, uh, you know, for for listeners here, please go check out Kira and Lindsay's podcast, Design the Future. Um, really enjoying it. Uh, and thanks again for both of you sharing your time and stories
2: Thank you,
1: Jared. It's been a pleasure. It's been super fun. Thanks, Jared.